Welcome back, everyone. This is an episode that's, this guy is living my dream. Growing up, I always loved National Geographic, and he has literally been traveling the world as a travel photographer and has just won a prize from National Geographic. Uh, he's been a friend of mine for the last couple of years. I met him while he was a professor here in South Korea, and he has been traveling the world, taking photography to the next level, and this is a really, really inspiring episode for people that are content creators that would like to uh, start a blog, start some kind of photography business, or just being like, you know, a, a content creator or a photojournalist, anything like that that creates content and sells it to the public. This is going to show you exactly how he has done that and how you can kind of model what he's done himself. So um, in saying that, I want to invite you to check out the uh, YouTube channel. You can just search Self-Developed Life, Quentin Carlin, and take a moment, if you will, to help out this channel and this new podcast uh, on iTunes. If you go ahead and uh, rank this and rate it for whatever you like, four or five stars, hopefully, and leave a comment, I'm going to actually give you something. I'm going to actually offering now a free coaching call for anyone that goes ahead and leaves a review and a high rank for this podcast to try and get it out. We don't have any sponsors. It's new. We're bootstrapping it. And this is my way to give back to you and get to know my listeners. And uh, it's kind of a win-win. You help me, I help you, so we can talk about anything you want. Marketing, business, self-development, some kind of coaching, whatever. Uh, I'm here and I'm going to open up some time for listeners to connect with you. So I appreciate you tuning in. And without further ado, enjoy this episode. So forgot to mention, to claim your free coaching call, what you want to do, just take a screenshot of your rank after you leave it a five-star and your review. Uh, email that to me, quintincarlin at gmail.com, quintincarlin at gmail.com. Send me that screenshot, and I'll get back with you, and we'll set up a time to chat. Can't wait. Looking forward to it. Thanks so much. Enjoy the show. But uh, but yeah, I'll just do the intro here and we'll just kind of get into it. Okay. Um, well, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Self-Developed Life. I've got a very, very special guest and a friend from my old city here, uh, Mr. Pete DeMarco, who is calling in from Malaysia. Uh, that's why he's on the audio and I've got the video running here for YouTube. But uh, Pete, how are you doing today, man? Pretty good. Good talking to you. Awesome. Well... I have to say I am quite jealous because when I was a little boy, I had a subscription from my grandmother to National Geographic, and it was always my dream to be like a National Geographic photographer and travel around the world, and I think that's where I got my travel bug from, Uh, but you're literally kind of doing that as a travel photographer, and I'm really interested to hear how you've done that and gone from being a university professor here in Busan where we met to now traveling around the world the last two years and uh, being a full-time kind of travel photographer. So um, I'm going to kind of like step back here and let you kind of share your story about where you got started and how you kind of got yourself set up to where you are now. So I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are definitely have a bucket list to do what you're currently doing, my friend. So uh, wherever you want to start on your journey, feel free to kind of start from there and we'll kind of go for it. <laughs> okay, that's a, there's a lot in there. Maybe you could just 
pepper some questions well, well yeah what, 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 along the way but i'll but yeah i'll start what what I'll, I'll kind of frame it here i think that we met and first talked at an instagram meetup here in busan was the first time we kind of chatted and then we saw each other at like the the basketball um games here and we kind of talked about some finance and investing stuff and uh you know you've really kind of uh you know are living the digital mad lifestyle di digital nomad lifestyle as a photographer. So I'm just kind of wondering how this started, how do you kind of grown this to a business and what you're currently doing to monetize on your photos and just kind of things like that. Um, and just kind of, I know that you have a background, you had a website as well for people to teach university, uh, teach English at a university before. Um, so you, you're a sharp guy and I think you can share a lot of good stuff for, for people who are looking to kind of uh, escape the nine to five. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's right. We I forgot that we played basketball together. I think you were the only other uh, the only other dude who's as tall or taller than me in Busan. So <laughs> yeah, we're rare. We're rare. Yes. Um, okay. So man, where should I start? Uh, I so yeah, as you were saying, we we know each other from Busan, South Korea. Um, I taught English in Korea for 10 years, uh, for wow. one year at a, at a, yeah. So I got there in 2007 and I went there because I lived on Jeju Island, which for people who don't know is a small island, uh, just off the Southern coast of, uh, the peninsula there. Beautiful. And so my dad, my dad taught English at Jeju national university in 1979. Wow. And so our family moved into there. Yeah. Our family moved over there for one year. And uh, so I had been introduced to Korea as a kid. And when I got older, I just always wanted to go back to Korea. I mean, I've been eating kimchi since I was a kid. I knew about Korea. We had Korean friends. And I really feel like I have some kind of a bit of Korean DNA in me. Um, right. Well, you do. So, You're raised here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, actually, a, a funny thing, my, I was actually conceived in Korea. My dad wow. was in the army. Yeah, my dad was in the army. My mom, who's American, she came over with him. And uh, that was like 72. He was there. From, he was right around the time of the Vietnam War, uh, 70 to 72 or three. Or anyways, sure. my, my parents moved back to America. I was born in America. So I'm 100% american but right but anyways, made, um, made in korea <laughs> made in korea right that's what i always tell people i say i'm a kimchi baby so um so i in 2006 i took a backpacking trip across um china but mainly mongolia i wanted to go to mongolia and i ended up staying for for two months and then i was going to end this kind of pilgrimage on jeju island to see this this place that i lived on uh, back in 1979, and I had always heard about it. it. Became kind of this mystical place, like it didn't even really exist. I mean, for you, you're in Korea. It's like, oh, Jeju's just like any other place. But you know, back in the day, it was like, what is Jeju Island? You know, it's like something in National Geographic, like you said. Right. Yeah. Um, so I moved to. Uh, I did that um, trip in in Mongolia, and then ended up on on Jeju Island. I was running out of money and I had taught English before in Spain. So I thought, oh, I'll just teach uh, for a little bit in, in South Korea and did a month long winter camp in Seoul, loved it, then went down to, uh, to Jeju and I lived on Jeju for a year at the middle school. 
um, and taught there and loved that. And so I ended up, then I got the job at the university and I stayed for 10 years. Um, so the connection with um, the photography is that when I went to Mongolia in 2007, or actually it was 2006, I bought my first um, point and shoot camera. It was a Canon a610. It was a little uh, five megapixel point and shoot. You put in AAA battery, you know, four AAA batteries or whatever. And um, that's kind of how I got really hooked on photography. I was just taking pictures and sharing them to Flickr, which was right. the yeah. popular photo sharing site. Because at that time, Facebook was just kind of taking off and it really wasn't, photographers weren't really sharing their photos on Facebook so much at that time. It was more just like a social thing. So anyways, I shared my photos and just kind of got hooked. Um, I took a film, a film photography class in college many years before that, but just didn't really like it. It was too slow and. Right. And, uh, right. Well, so, that's, um, that's awesome. Yeah. That that's awesome, man. And uh, you said how, I love how you said like, you know, I'll go teach English in Korea for a while, 10 years later, you know, you're like, wow, you know, it goes pretty fast, doesn't it? Cause I know that you just left. It does. It's having 10 years here is a pretty substantial part of your life. Right. So exactly. Um, so I'm just looking at this thing actually while we're recording. It says we have yeah. remaining meeting time is nine minutes. I just saw that pop up too. It says that your meeting will end in 10 minutes. Um, I, I think never... you have um, 40 minutes. Uh, if you're just doing a one-to-one, -one, I think you have a 40 minute um, meeting time limit. Okay. I or didn't know that. It's 50 minutes. And I guess, yeah, we started this and we're kind of going back and forth before the recording. Right. You know what? Why don't we do this? Um, why don't we just stop it here? And should we just do another uh, start? Okay. You know, so just hang up and start we'll, again. We'll and start from, uh, from 40. Yeah, okay. Okay, right. cool. I'll just pause it. Okay. Yeah. All right. We're back here, folks. Sorry about that. We just had to change platforms. But uh, yeah, so you were saying, Pete how you uh, came to Korea and then you've been here for 10 years and then you were kind of getting into some entrepreneurial endeavors as well as being a university <laughs> professor here. So, uh, right. yeah. The so, uh, while I, during my time in Korea, um, you know, I, that the bug, the photo bug caught me uh, while I was doing this two month backpacking trip through Mongolia, uploading my photos to Flickr. Um, and then I, you know, it was digital, it was cheap. You could take as many photos as you wanted, as long as you had batteries. And then I could share my photos and interact with, you know, my friends back home. And then eventually I found this online community and then it just took off from there. Um, and then while I was in Korea teaching, uh, I just, um, enjoy, you know, kept taking more and more photos and getting more into photography. And I started to want to sell my photos or to just, you know, submit them to contests and, and just see if I could kind of take my photography to another level. And like you said, that National, Nat Geo dream, I had that dream. I think everybody who picks up a camera at one point or another had that dream. Yeah. And um, so I was like, well, I wonder what I can do with this. So I uh, started, um, I... I was, on Flickr, there was a group called, um, uh, are, you know, are you good enough to be on National Geographic or something? And I was like sending my pictures in there. 
And eventually I was like, this is stupid. The only, you know, if somebody says, yeah, you're good enough, it doesn't matter. The only person who says you're good enough is the editor of Nat Geo. And right. so I'm like, I shouldn't be submitting my photos and wasting my time on this Flickr group. I'm going to submit directly to Nat Geo because the editor is actually the one who can say if I'm good enough or not. And huh. so um, I made this little vision board thing. I like cut out the cover of Nat Geo and I put like, they had like the previous year's uh, travel photography contest winner, uh -huh. uh, winners on it. it said like, you know, the 2012 Nat Geo photo contest winners or something. And I cut it out and I put like my, my photo, I put my name or something on the magazine um, as a kind of like visual representation of my goal. And I just like posted it on the side of my door or something. I never really paid much attention to it, but it was just there as like a kind of far off dream thing. Mm -hmm. And then like after like two years, I finally started submitting my photos. Uh, I submit uh, two to this, to the Nat Geo Traveler photo contest. And they ended up picking up one of my photos from Bagan Myanmar um, as like the editor's choice. And then it was like the monthly choice. And then it was selected in 2012 as the, you know, the, the top 10 photos. It was like a merit winner. So I didn't win wow. my first prize of the Geo contest, but I was like the, one of the top 10 selected. And then they printed my, my picture with a little blurb about me and my photo in that, that magazine, which was wow. the actual, you know, here's the winners. And then it kind of like hit me. I was like, oh shit, like if, if I actually got into to that magazine and they, they literally had like over, I don't know, thousands, a hundred thousand, like a crazy number of submissions. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, and so I was like, well, like let's, it just kind of built my confidence. And mm -hmm. um, so I was like, okay, well, what else can I do? And uh, so I submit uh, a photo to the Busan Tourism Photo Contest. Okay. And mainly because if you win, you get uh, 3 million won, which is like $3,000. And so I submit a photo from the top of the iPark Towers. They're like, at that time, they were probably I'm like the I'm, third I'm, or fourth. I'm looking at them right now uh, from my window. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're beautiful. So I, I, got on, I got on the roof and did like a rooftoping photo from the tower. And I, that photo won. I got first place in the Busan Tourism Photo Contest. And that happened almost at the same time that I got the Nat Geo thing. It was literally like almost the same month. So, and so those two things, those two things together were like a kind of, I don't know, I believe in, um, what do you call it? Synchronicity or signs or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, you know what? Like, okay, these two things happened right pretty much at the same time. And like once, I, if it happened once, I might be like, oh, well, it was a long shot or an accident or something, but it happened twice. And so I was like, maybe I should pursue this. And, and so at the time leading up to that, I also started pitching stories and my photos to magazines. Like the first I started with the local ones. These are like for people in Busan, you know, Busan Haps. Yeah. Um, and, and it's like a local expat foreigner magazine. So I started sending articles to their uh, or photos and they started using them. And I don't think I made any money from it, um, but I, I just got my stuff published. And then I also sent stuff to a magazine up in Seoul called Groove Magazine. And there was another yeah. one called 10 Magazine. These, they're like these four magazines for English, the English speaking community uh, mm -hmm. in Korea. So then they were taking my stuff. I got published there. 
then um, once I was in some publications and I had what you call tear sheets, you yeah. know, some samples of my work, then I would, I started pitching airline magazines. And then oh, wow. um, Mabuhe, which is a, a Philippine Airlines magazine, in-flight magazine, they bought one of my photos. And that was like the first thing. They actually found me on Flickr. They saw my, I had a picture of Bomosa Temple in, in yeah. Busan. And so I was like, oh, I'm sharing on Flickr and somebody's buying my image. And so I did that. Um, then I started getting into stock photography with Getty Images and I did some of that for a while. Um, and then after I got into like, I did some more article. I did a story for, for Philippine Airlines. I flew to, to China, to Beijing, did like top 10 things to see in Beijing or what to do in 48 hours in Beijing. Then I got a thing for CNN, for wow. Thai Airlines. And so I started like pulling up a string of, of published work. And I was like selling my photos, selling my stories, my words that I would write the, the travel articles as well. Mm -hmm. And then I um, also got into this stock photography a little bit. And I started selling images for advertisements. Um, and uh, people some uh, occasionally I would even get a request um, like a, a Swiss insurance agency wanted to buy my photo of Busan. They paid like, paid me like $800 for it. And I was just, so I was I just started. Gonna, I was just going to ask yeah. when you're saying that you're selling these images, I was wondering what, like, I'm sure a lot of people are wondering like, what is the kind of average cost that, per photo or what, what does that look like? Right. Um, so, um, okay. So that, that's kind of what, what leads me into the next part of the story, but I'll, I'll tell you, and that's a good question. And so in the beginning when I was, I had, Keep in mind, I had my full-time job at teaching English and all this extra money was just like a side gig. It was just yeah. some extra cash yeah. in the bank and it was fun and I got to see my pictures in print and, you know, yeah. so that I did that. And so I got paid anywhere from like, you know, some places will pay you like $50 per image and they'll use maybe five images or six images. Yeah. Uh, other places, other, uh, if you do, that's for like a magazine and this is, there is no standard rate, but I'm just telling you, yeah. um, you know, what I got for some of the stuff that I did. Mm -hmm. Um, if you were to write a, a full article with say 15 photos and a thousand words, you could make maybe a thousand dollars for, yeah. for one story. But you know, they don't, uh, it depending on who you work for and not these days, they don't usually pay for your expenses. So you're kind of limited to doing stories around your area where you're at. Right. And yeah. these are for the smaller places. I'm not talking about like Nat Geo or time magazine or the big names I'm talking Lonely about Planet, in flight yeah. magazines or yeah, even Lonely Planet or whatever. Yeah. Um, so the money, what I was making money, the, but um, I wasn't, like getting rich or anything. Mm -hmm. But at that point, I think it was like, um, I can't remember exactly when it was, but I quit my job teaching English at the university and I tried to go full time as a photographer because right. I was getting these sparks. I was like, well, I'm selling some articles, I'm, I'm doing some, getting some stuff. And so I was working at Schiller University then and I, and I worked there for two years and I'm like, I'm gonna go full time as a photographer. Mm -hmm. And I quit and I couldn't make it like I was trying to do these articles. I, I thought I'd be like a travel writer and photographer and, and sell yeah. my stuff to magazines. And I was, and I realized that the amount of time you had to put in and the money that you got back was right. very, 
for the amount of work that you do. And, and how, and not, how long, and how long ago was that? That was before what you're doing now. So what, when? yeah, that was like 2011, I think, or something like that. So what's so I quit from then to now with you being able to like, you know, fully okay. for yourself and I'm just curious. So I quit. I'll, I'll tell you, I, yeah. I, after I hit a wall, like realizing that, oh shit, like this is really tough to do. Yeah. Um, I went back to teaching English. Yeah. And I got a job at Busan University of Foreign Studies. Yeah. And while I was working there, I was like, okay, I know that later on down the road, I still, I'm not going to give up on this dream. Sure. Yeah. But I need to have another plan. I first, I need to have, you know, a fair amount of cash in the bank because mm -hmm. when you make the transition, you need like a safety net. Yeah. And then everybody I was talking to told me, well, it takes, you know, or what I was researching and hearing, it doesn't happen overnight. It could take one, two, three, four years or more. Yeah. So basically what I did was um, I went back to teaching, but then I started um, uh, what uh, I read this book. Uh, you probably heard of it. It's Tim Ferriss' oh, Four Hour uh, Week. Yeah. Four Hour Work Week. And course, I really yeah. got sucked into it. And in it, he talks about this thing called a muse. And a muse yeah. is, for those who don't know, is like this side gig or side company or side job that brings in cash, yeah. almost like a passive income sort of thing that yeah. brings in cash while you develop your passion project or this other thing. Yeah. And so I had this idea while I was teaching, I was, I was searching for jobs and it was really hard, uh, you know, to, when I, I, when I tried to find a uni job teaching at the yeah. university, I couldn't find a job. Well, that's it was hard to they're, they're so hard to find. And that's what I, that's kind of what, right. what I wanted to ask you later. Like it's such a good right. gig, you know, like our most contracts about right. 10, 12, 14 hours a week, about four months paid vacation. Like you could have right. a whole business on right. top of that. So I'm, I'm, right. you know, like when people, cause I'm in, a, I'm in that yeah. same situation. Like, I don't really know how much longer I want to be here, but I've got this incredible um, contract and at a university, which is hard to find. It's hard to, it's right. got the like golden handcuffs kind of, you know, so but yeah. yeah, go ahead. I'm going to I'm gonna get to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm interested to hear uh, that's where I'm okay. at. So I, I, um, I created this like muse job thing and which was a, a website. It's a membership site. It's still yeah. running today, like five yeah. years later. And, um, you, you buy a, a subscription of a three month or like a one year subscription is $50. And you, it's basically um, a site that aggregates all of the university jobs around the world, mainly in the Middle East and Asia. Yeah. But it's just for teaching English in universities. It's called Profs Abroad. Yeah. And so I set up that site and that started to bring in some extra income on a daily basis or monthly basis. And nothing that I was getting rich off of, but it added like, it was just one more thing that yeah. added a little buffer. For sure, yeah. Um, so, um, I'm trying to figure out what, where to go from here. I guess you asked me like, why leave that job? And so, um, why not just teach forever? And I'll tell you, I love teaching English uh, at the university, um, in yeah. Korea. And I loved my job at Buffs. Like it yeah. was amazing. And now that I'm not doing it right now, um, I do miss it sometimes. Like I look back on it like very happily. And 
if I never found photography, I never would have left that job. Probably. I would probably would have just kept on doing it because it is one of the best jobs in the world. I think. In the world. Yeah, I agree. And man. Like it's, 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 I've done a lot of jobs. I've traveled around a lot of places and it really is like people call it the golden handcuffs because you end up staying for so long. It's hard to leave. It gets really great. And it is. And what you, you brought up a really valid point, which is why not just stay? And I wouldn't, I think that we're kind of encouraged in our culture to, um, you know, like you watch like the, you know, Alan Watts. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are yeah. you familiar with him? He's like, yeah, you know, I, I do love what you love. And yeah. yeah it, there's a little YouTube video, do what you love. Yeah. And if you love what you do, people will, will yeah. follow you and then they'll pay you for the, what you do. And, and I'm like, you know, I'd be sitting in my, my office teaching English, but I'd be watching that video and I'm like, I love teaching, yeah. but after 10 years of teaching English as a second language or the English language, right. I was just, and if I compared that to photography, it was obvious that I was way more passionate about photography than, mm -hmm. than English. And so and I, that's the only reason I kind of transitioned. However, I do think that you don't, if you love photography, you don't have to quit your job. Um, you can also have another job which brings in money and you do just because you like it or it's fun yeah. and, and you enjoy it. And you have a lot of free time to do photography, which you don't need to work for an editor. You don't need to work for a magazine or pitch or do all right. these other things. If you want to go photograph Bali, then yeah. just spend a month in Bali taking photos and just share your photos on Facebook or print them and put them on your wall because you love it, not because somebody tells you you have to shoot this or that right. or in a particular way. Well, so I wouldn't recommend that people quit their job. Like mm -hmm. before I would say like, oh, follow your dream, go for it. But if you love what you're doing or you enjoy it, I mean, there's something to be said for that, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in a similar situation. I've been here for about six or seven years and I've got some ideas for projects and uh, you know, I, it's, it's just such a great opportunity here. And I, I just had a month back in Vancouver and being in Canada, seeing how, you know, a lot of my friends are just really, it's just a whole different work style there, man. Like you're just, you have no time for hobbies or passion projects or music projects. Cause you have no energy or time after you're just like very little holidays, very little vacation time, long, hard work weeks. Um, so, so yeah, I'm just kind of debating what my next move is going to be um, or if there is going to be a move. But, um, but yeah, I, wa I want to kind of go back to, so you tried that in 2012, but what's made it go so well now? Because you've been doing this for two years right. and what's been the kind okay. of difference? I see that you have a course. I took a look at your photography course. Right. Uh, so it looks yeah. like teaching photography I now and things like that to kind of uh, supplement. I'm glad that you're, you're interviewing me about this because you're into all these same things. So you like understand totally. you're reading the same books and listening oh, to the yeah. same people and stuff. So, Absolutely. Um, yeah. so what happened was um, I basically hit a point when I was teaching and I was like, well, um, I always wanted to be in business for myself, just full on, like not work part time for somebody else or whatever. I always was my dream, dream to own my own business. And um, so I said, well, if I quit teaching English, it's always there. I can always go back to it. Yeah. But if I'm, you know, older and don't do it, then I can't get back that time or those years. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to make the leap and try it. And if I don't like it or it doesn't work out, I'll go back to teaching. Um, so while I was traveling and, you know, we, 
for those who don't know, with when you're teaching English at the university, you get four months paid vacation, two in the summer and two in awesome. the winter. And I was traveling all over the world. I was going to Dubai, to Asia, around Southeast Asia. And I was taking all these photos. And as I was traveling, I realized that there's people like me all around the world. Like, we have a little photo community in Busan, but there's uh, our there's the same thing in Dubai or in Singapore or right. Kuala Lumpur. There's like groups of people who are just crazy about photography. Sure. And so I don't, just because I, I just never interacted with them as much. I always just kind of felt like it was my circle of friends that was like that. But then I, as I traveled, I realized, geez, this is like happening all around the world. Yeah. So I thought, well, hey, well, I love teaching. I mean, it's not that I don't like teaching at all it's actually i really love being a teacher i love interacting with people and being in front of the class yeah. um, but i thought well what if i teach photography instead of english how could i you know make that happen so um i quit my job and um after that i started focusing on instead of focusing on selling my content or my images or stories to say magazines or whatever, I decided to focus on uh, teaching other photographers, teaching people the same thing that I know with the same interest. Yeah. Because it's harder and harder to get into the magazines and whatnot because there's so many more photographers. But at the same time, now everybody's a photographer. People start off with a smartphone and then end Instagram, up Instagram, right? That, that's a game changer. Right, right. Instagram's a total game it's, changer. Yeah, for sure. Right, exactly, exactly. And so what I did was, um, yeah, quit my job and then moved down to Southeast Asia. And just because it's cheaper and there's a lot of different uh, places, you know, to photograph and see, and I really like this area. And I just started focusing on um, just kind of building, um, yeah, building my business. And so the, my focus, like my, everybody has like a different kind of way of going about this. And there is, what I realized is that there is no one way. Like you have your traditional photographers who try and get jobs as an architectural photographer or a wedding photographer or event photographer but I didn't want to do any of that I just wanted to focus on mainly on the internet um, yeah. on education both uh, you know pro, you know downloadable courses or whatnot but yeah. also like workshops or tours yeah um, for other people so um, I read this article actually I heard about it through Tim Ferriss it's um, have you heard of the um, thousand true fans yeah. theory the tribe yeah 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 so there's an article uh for those who don't know a thousand true fans and yeah. by this by kevin kelly who was the editor i think of, of wired magazine and he said a few years back that basically um you fans, don't need to be, be to serve, you'll be able to support yourself if you have if you find a thousand people that are passionate about what you're doing you'll never have to worry about making money again because they'll that'll be enough to support your uh your projects exactly so and a thousand is just an arbitrary number if you have uh you know, a uh, hundred people paying you uh, $500, then you've got uh, $50,000 a year or a thousand people paying you 50 bucks, you know, yeah. so it, it doesn't really matter. But basically what he's saying is also you, 
you don't have to be super famous. You don't need a million fans. And yeah. I think that's a misconception that people think is, oh, I need to be super famous. I need right. to have a million fans. And that's not true. Yeah. Um, so I basically built my business or am building my business around that whole theory of getting a thousand true fans, people who are willing to pay whatever, $10 or $50, uh, $10 to download my presets or $50 to download my course or you know, yeah. a few thousand dollars to go on a tour. Um, <clears throat> so I built, so that was like the, that's the kind of foundation of my business plan. Awesome. And then on this build, uh, connected with that though, is like, how do you connect with these thousand true fans? And for me, that is email. Most people right now are focusing on uh, social media, on Facebook, on Instagram, but I don't put really so much emphasis on that. Really what I work the hardest at is my email because I, and I tell people, I'm like, email is the new Instagram because it allows you to share what you want uh, in the way that you want to share it in the format that you want to share it. And there's no other distractions that comes right. along with, with email. Yeah. Um, and also with email, as you probably know, like they always say like email is, you know, you own the list. So yeah. the, 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 my fans, my thousand true fans are my business. But if my thousand true fans, I connect with them through Instagram or Facebook, that's actually, um, you know, Facebook's business because yeah. every time I post something, I'm driving traffic. To, to Facebook. And whenever I want to connect with those people, sure, I'll reach a few of them. But if I want to reach all of them, I've got to pay money yeah. because of the algorithm. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, You're uh, right on. Yeah. 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 The, the money, the list. list. Yeah. Build a list. Right. Yeah. No, that my background's in internet marketing and stuff. So like, I definitely understand okay. the, uh, <laughs> the importance right. of, of that. And, um, no, that's, so, uh, that's phenomenal, man. That's really smart. And, uh, yeah, I took a look at your site. So, um, it looks like you have a course, like a video course for like uh, about $49 right. that you kind of teach people the A, a to Z on getting set up with different kind of equipment and different kind of methods and, and things like that. Is that kind of, uh, the, the, your main offer right now? That's my own, my, one of my main offers right now. Um, okay. so the, the, one of the big misconceptions I think is like there's this whole thing about passive income and make money online and get rich and all that stuff but it's totally not true in my opinion like passive income is not passive you still have to work for it oh, yeah. of course you might get you might get paid while you're sleeping but it just means your money comes in while you're asleep but you're working your ass off while you're awake you put the um, action in, the, other, the action in to right. generate that traffic or right. that you know click exactly and, yeah absolutely yeah and so um the other thing is, um, yeah, it's not passive. You've got to work at it and it doesn't happen overnight. I think a lot of people think, oh, it, you know, it happens quickly. Um, the thing though, is that whatever you do, whether it's photography or you know, teaching surfing or whatever you want to do is you can't be just good at that thing that you do. You have to know marketing because oh, you can yeah. make a, you can make a great course. But yeah. once you put it on your website, nobody buys it because, you know, unless you have some have some magical thing happening where you're getting a ton of traffic, like yeah. if you don't know how to put that across to people that, yeah. you know, here's their pain point and this is how you're going to solve it. Here's the value you're going to offer. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't connect and you're not going to sell anything. 
And well, so I've actually spent these last like two years mo learning more about marketing and digital marketing or email marketing and, and running a business than I have of actually doing the photography and how to, and also making a course. It's like, how yeah. do you record yourself? How do you edit the video? No, and then how do you distribute that? How do you get out there? How do you work with affiliates? How do you, yeah. you know, pitch other products? Um, yeah, you know, so, there's, a, there's so many moving parts. And, and I'll just say that, you know, one of the best examples is one of my best friends became a lawyer and opened up his own law practice. And he spent however many, seven years in law school learning all about law, but nothing about how to run his business or his practice. So there's nothing about you know, hiring employees, you know, doing the books, advertising, marketing, how to get a website, outsourcing, all that stuff. Um, I actually just interviewed one of the top copywriters uh, in America, named Mitch Miller on an episode I'm going to re be releasing here soon. He said the same thing. He's like, it's all, everything comes down. It doesn't matter if you have the best product in the world, go buy, you know, a whole uh, wholesale order of that product, put it in your garage. But if you don't tell people about it, it's going to be in your garage for the next five years, even though it's the best of the best, you know, you have to get your message exactly. out there. So I think that that's something that, you know, and that there's Robert Kiyosaki who wrote rich dad, poor dad, you know, he got a lot of flack from like really accomplished authors saying, you're not an author. You're not a best selling author, you know? And he's like, well, I'm not the best author, but I'm the best selling author because I know how to market. And that's something I always remember that, you know, whatever you're doing in life, everyone's in sales and in marketing in some, some regard. Exactly. So, yeah. and, and if there's anything I've learned at the time since I left the university, whether, uh, you know, I end up being a photographer for the rest of my life or quitting in a year and going back to teaching or whatever, if there's anything I learned. It's just about marketing yourself, like you said, which is something that um, you're going to use at any point in your life. I mean, you can apply it to whatever you do uh, later on in your life. Uh, talking yeah. about that book, I, I read that book. And I love his idea about the, having the, um, what is it, the assets or investing, you know, like paying yourself first. Yeah. And so while I was in, so I want to just make one thing clear, like a lot, sometimes people see me or they make comments like, oh, you're so successful or, oh, you're really doing it and living the dream and all that. And I am like, you know, moving in that direction or making it happen, but to be honest, I'm not at this point, even, you know, two years into it, I'm not making a living off of just my income from photography. Mm -hmm. So I have other revenue streams, which is also something that I read about in Tim Ferriss's book and For other sure, books, yeah. not having your eggs in one basket. So I have one revenue stream is um, my, um, my website, my, my Profs Abroad uh, website there, the job website. Yeah. Um, another revenue stream is actually my investments. So yeah. um, for anyone who is in Korea now or living abroad, teaching English or whatever, um, save your money. So I paid myself first. I did what he says in that book and I just crammed away money and just kept on, you know, saving as much as I could. I, I wasn't eating noodles every day. I still bought nice gear and I still traveled. And I still did all that stuff. But I didn't get ridiculous like I see some people do. Yeah. I just kept saving away my money. So I have, I have my investments. I have that uh, business, the, um, the Profs Abroad. I also have another small business I started a long time ago, another side business that has to do with selling olive oil um, with my dad. Yeah, you know, so I, I actually I, have- 
one of, one of my uh, old high school basketball teammates has done extremely well selling olive oil from the Middle East. He's from Turkey and he sells yeah. it. He, he takes it from Turkey back to Canada and he's killing it in that niche. Like, yeah, hmm. so that's interesting that you said that. I could connect yeah. you guys if you want, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, you're, you're yeah. absolutely right. And we had a couple of conversations yeah. before you left about investing and we were talking about dividend stocks and that, you know, like um, right. buying index funds and things like that. So yeah, you're definitely, you know, on the right path with, and I appreciate you being straight up because a lot of times people might hide behind that persona that they're, oh yeah, I'm living the dream, which not seeing that you aren't, but you know, people have this image that they're like, oh, well, he's a millionaire or whatever but you, you set yourself up, you, you laid the foundation um, to be able to be where you're at through, the, you know, like you said, saving money, investing it, starting side gigs that are paying you, you know, not a ton a month, but it all adds up to be substantial because you have all these different income streams coming in, which is, you know, very, very smart. Exactly. And I, I just want to, I think sometimes you hear people talk about doing online businesses or passive income or something like that. And they make it seem like, Oh, you just do this and build the site and make a course and you sell yeah. it and you're rich. And it's yeah. totally not like that. And I, I, I mean, in a sense, um, okay. So yeah, I'm not making a living or living solely from my income, uh, based around photography, but who's to say that I won't, uh, in a year or three years or whatever, it's just something that I started and it's something I'm building and it takes time. Absolutely. Um, and on the other hand, and there's that thing about living the dream and it's kind of like, well, what is the dream? And for me, the dream is, uh, you know, thinking about breathing, talking about and working with photography every day um, and, and, do, and building my own business. And uh, so for me, that's the dream, you know, so it's not necessarily, of course, would I like to be rich or have, you know, all this money or whatever? Yes. Um, but really my end goal is to be able to, uh, make photography as big a part of my life as possible. And whether that's on my personal projects or through a business or whatever, or teaching people photography. So in that sense, I am living the dream because I'm doing what I want to do when I want to do it. Uh, well, but is it a, is it a road paved with gold and is it easy? Absolutely not. I work way harder now than I ever did when I taught English. Well, uh, I, I'm glad that you said that because it's definitely good for people to get a dose of reality to say it's not like you just open up an Instagram account and all of a sudden you have, you know, like 11,000 followers and everything like that. Like there's a process in place to get to these, you know, um, places. And I actually interviewed... I'm sure you met her because she's been here a long time as a working photographer. Um, Sasha, the Russian Korean girl, Alexander. Yeah, she's a friend yeah. of mine. Yeah, she's a good friend of mine. Yeah, yeah, she's awesome. And I actually just interviewed her. And that's kind of when you popped up in my mind too, to be, oh, this would be a great, you know, other interview about photography. And, um, you know, one, one of the things that she said, because she's done a lot of like wedding photographies and kind of like portrait stuff, um, not so much the National Geographic side like you have. Um, but she said the same thing, you know, like it, it's just, it's just like a business. It takes work. Uh, it takes a lot of, um, moving parts to make it work. And, um, it's not all just like, you know, fashion shoots and, you know, soul fashion week. Like when she posts, everyone's like, Oh, you just got to go to soul, soul fashion week to, you know, take photos with all these gorgeous models. No, there's a lot more behind the scenes like you shared. So I'm glad that that's, um, that that's, you know, transparent. Um, but yeah. moving forward, you know, like if you could, see yourself down the line, what would be, I kind of ask people is to wrap, you know, 
to wrap up is like, what, what would be your ideal dream lifestyle? You know, like it sounds like it already kind of is, you know, you're living in a place you want to live. You're really immersed in photography. Um, you know, but, but if you have any other goals on your bucket list or your vision board that you mentioned earlier, uh, what would those be and how can people potentially help reach out and support you in, in doing so? <laughs> they can join my workshops. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I'll link, yeah. I'll link that uh, up below. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, well, um, yeah, I think you're right. Like, like I said, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of doing now, uh, what I want to do. I think there, I'm not, I don't have any plan like, you know, five years down the road or 10 years down the road where I ultimately want to be like, other than, of course, I want to have a, a, a self-sustaining business and something that I could live off of and, you know, have a, a secure financial future. Like that's definitely a goal. Yeah. Um, but one thing I've noticed um, is that when you, when you're taking the avenue that I have, which is uh, doing, um, you know, focusing more on creating courses and internet marketing and that sort of thing. Um, if you do that, it, and also even just being a freelancer in general or, or an entrepreneur or a solopreneur, it can be very isolating. You're, yeah. you know, sitting home alone and people think, oh, you're out and you're like traveling and shooting all these amazing places. But maybe that's like 20% of the time and the other 80% of the time you're, you know, writing the next email or creating the next course or whatever. And it's like you alone at home yeah. in front of your computer. Yeah. And what I realized is that um, as I've, you know, been doing this now for a while is that um, I really like uh, being in front of or with other people like teaching. And I'm not like a super introvert. Like I am introverted at times. Like I, I yeah. love like, putting on the music and editing a photo or my photos and just chilling out and being alone and totally getting into my head and, and my creative side. I love that. Like that's like one of the best feelings, but at the same time, I love like when I was teaching English, like every day I saw, you know, a hundred students. I had three classes of 30 students in each class. So like three or four times a week, I'd be in a hundred in front of a hundred different people each day. Sure, yeah. And I'd be interacting with all my coworkers. And so my job was like a very um, like socially stimulating type of job. Whereas totally now agree. it's like alone. So it's like, for me, I think the biggest thing is finding the balance between, um, you know, how do you run a business as a, as a, as a solo, you know, a solopreneur or, you know, per, or one yeah. person, but then at the same time, um, you know, and have some part of your business be online or on the internet, but then at the other time, still be able to be out and interacting with people and not just, and I'm not talking about like just going to the gym and seeing people or, yeah. you know, having meaningful, connections, meaningful conversations. Yeah, but also teaching, being in front of people, uh, sharing your knowledge and experience yeah. with other people going through an actual experience. So my main thing that I'm been focusing on is really kind of transitioning my job or finding a way to create a life that pulls me away or less of, you know, sitting at my desk behind my computer and just yeah. being more out into the world with people. And I'm working towards that. And if I had to tell you exactly, I can't really say, Oh, there's a, there's this one thing that I want to do. Although one thing would be, you know, a in-person workshop or photo tour, 
which I will be doing one uh, soon. I mean, in next year. Cool. Um, you know, so anyways, I, yeah, I'd say that's the kind of direction that I want to move in. I totally understand because we just kind of switched roles. Like before I came to Korea, I was doing my own online business for three years. And it was me when I was like 25, 26, 27, 28 years old. And I was just like alone in my apartment downtown Vancouver when all my friends were at their jobs and offices and Christmas parties and stuff like that. And I was just like, and that's what got me into traveling. So I'm like, well, it's kind of boring here. Why don't I go to like, Europe for three months and work there online. So like, I totally understand what you mean. Um, I actually have a, an interview lined up next week with a good friend of mine who was just actually was in Busan. And he started a really cool uh, project where he's doing digital nomad um, kind of traveling work live setups where he gets a group of like between 10 and 20 people like yourself, digital nomads, and gets like a big, uh, uh, not resort, but just like a, a living space for all of them. And everyone lives and works in this big kind of community. And each person kind of has like a different skill that they kind of share and teach with the other group members. And then they're there for like the whole month. And then, you know, they go to another place. So he just is doing his first one right now in Bali. And then he's doing his next one in Thailand. So he's kind of like solving that problem that so many solo printers have saying like, Hey, um, you know, yeah, you work alone, you work online, but you can come work together with all these other people that are doing something similar. And I think it's going to, I think it's, I think it's a really smart idea. And he's, he's got a bunch of people that came to his first one this month in Bali and it'd be interesting to see how it goes. But yeah, when I do that episode, I, I'll connect you guys and um, okay, yeah. maybe you can collaborate cool. something in the future. But, uh, but yeah, well, I think that nowadays with online and offline, you know, people are, are really lacking that human connection, you know, and, um, Right. And, uh, and yeah, so I think that like, and that's what even something like, I don't know if you follow, are you, do you follow Clark little on Instagram? No, I don't know who, who uh, I'll, I'll send you his profile. He's like a huge, um, ocean photographer. He lives in Hawaii and he just opened this incredible, uh, art gallery in I think Honolulu or something. Um, but he's killing it with his photography because he's kind of bridged that gap between online, just Instagram photos and a place where people can come in and actually buy uh, works of art. And he made like board shorts out of them. And like, it's, it's, it, he's, he's created a really, really um, creative and, and I think fulfilling business for himself. Um, so, so yeah, I Is think that, that the, uh, he photographs waves. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen him. Yeah. They're awesome. Yeah. Super cool. And like I said, he's kind of now, doing kind of like what you said doing workshops at, a, at his art gallery and has a, a a physical space where people can come and he's got that social interaction so you know you're very you know not to say that you're new in the game but you've accomplished a ton in the short time you have been in here and i think that there's you know there's only up to go so um don't be too hard on yourself but i know that yeah kind of like you know you just want it now you know like ah uh, let's just do it all exactly but i think that you know just obviously knowing who you are as a person, you know, you're, you're a smart guy, you know, how, how life and business works and you'll figure out ways to find what you want and how to make that work as well. So, um, no, I'm, I'm really glad that we got the time to, uh, connect here and, um, yeah, I'm going to put the ball in your court. If there's anything else you want to share, or I want to be conscious of your time here as well, not to go too long, uh, over, but, uh, but yeah, is there anything else that you want to kind of bring up or touch on? Um, no, I think that's pretty much it. I, 
I guess ultimately it's just about, um, you know, creating, creating the kind of life that you want to live. I've, I've always been like big on that. I've, I've read a lot of help self-help books and all that stuff. And I find a lot of people who do this also do as well. We kind of get sucked into the like absolutely dreamer thing and you're like, just give it a shot. But, um, I, I really think that there is no one way to make it happen. And if you're listening to this and you think, Oh, well, I'm going to follow what Pete did. I mean, uh, I tried doing that and following, you know, like I, you see somebody else who's successful in a per certain way and then you follow that. Right. Um, and it does, maybe it doesn't hit off as well. So I really think there is no one way no, of yeah. going about it. I mean, there's a million different ways that you can make a living as a photographer. Um, so I think really it's just a matter of kind of, and maybe you don't need to make a living as a photographer. Maybe it's better to just keep it purely as a hobby and just have side projects and you can still even publish your work in places and, and, and or do exhibits or whatever it is that you want to do. So, um, Guys the limit. I, I just never want to, I just never want to say like, yeah, follow your bliss and go for your dream and then do it. And then that's going to, you know, you'll be rich or whatever. Like, it's really just about like, what is the kind of, you know, what do you ultimately want to do? And do you really need to quit your job to go and do, you know, that, that thing? Maybe it's just something that you like, want to do on the side. So, well, I think that's really smart because I'm sure you also follow Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's, he, he, he's pretty extreme, but he, he talks about, you know, like patience, you know, like, Hey, you, mm -hmm. you work nine to five, but from like, you know, seven to midnight, you could be building, like you said, your side muse or project, you know, for however long it takes. And just because you're not 20 anymore or 30 doesn't mean that it's over for you. You know, like there, there's, there's so much opportunity, no matter how new or old or young you are and technically, you know, gifted or not, you know, I just got my dad his first ever cell phone at the age of 76 and his first ever email address. My dad didn't have any email address for no until now. like he's 76 years old. And now he's texting me all the time and he loves you. Like I'm so, and he didn't want me to get him on the phone. He's like, no, don't do it. I don't want it. I don't need it. Now he's got it. He's got like love Spotify. All of his old, old songs are on there and watching YouTube videos and stuff. Yeah. So like, yeah, you know, I think people, um, they, they, they underestimate, or they overestimate what they can do in a year and they underestimate what they can do in five years. You know, yeah. um, I think that's a good, good, um, a good mentality to kind of go into any new venture with just, just commit right. to it and, uh, just say, you know, I'm going to do this until, you know, right. Um, exactly. Just try it. You don't know. Out of curiosity, are you connected with, uh, Edward Vieira, a guy that was in Busan and now he's in China? No, I'm not. Okay. I should connect I you with him. I don't think I know him. I should connect you with him. He's done really well with Instagram. Um, I actually just okay. did a podcast with him that I'll be releasing soon too about, um, you know, he's getting tons of sponsorship deals where he just, really, yeah, they fly, they fly him into a resort and he's like, he was just all over. Um, yeah. He invited me to go on his last trip. Yeah. He was in uh, just, just all over Asia, actually just doing all these cool, high, cool. high end, high end hotel uh, gigs and uh yeah. it's 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 been very lucrative and uh yeah he's really kind of mastered the instagram game um so yeah i can definitely nice. connect you with him and and uh i'll show you that episode when i post that as well it was really insightful okay about how to kind of really kind of uh start getting sponsorship deals and stuff like that 
um, which which uh, could be really interesting for a lot of people too. Um, but but that's that's awesome, man. Well, I'm gonna kind of wrap it up here. Uh, just thanks again okay. for your time and all the value you shared, and it's awesome to kind of get to know you more that uh, than we've kind of chatted in the past. But uh, all the yeah, best. Yeah, same here. Well, let me ask you this: thanks. What's the what's the number one thing you miss about Korea? Since you were here for ten years, you're basically ah. half Korean. Uh, conceived yeah. here. What's the number one thing after two years not living here? What do you miss most? Probably the um, the grilled pork. Yeah. The samyopsal. Yeah. Like you, the quality of the pork is so good. And there's just like the atmosphere and the, the grill on the table. Um, yeah. I mean, I've been to Korean restaurants outside of Korea, but the quality of the meat is never the same. Uh, so yeah, definitely the, the food is probably the top, right there at the top. I could, I could relate. And well, when you come back, let's go grab some Korean barbecue together, my friend. Awesome. Oh, okay. can I plug my, uh, my website? Yeah, I'm going to put the link down below, but yeah, go ahead. Go oh, for okay. it. Absolutely. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. The website is uh, thenomadwithin.com. And I have all my, yep. And I have all my links to stuff on there. It's my landscape photography course and upcoming workshops or tours. And also I share my tips and uh, other things as well in my newsletter, which you can sign up for. Um, my Get on that email list. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I'll, I'll put the links down below, including your, okay, cool. your, uh, your Instagram, and Instagram photos and everything. Yep. You know, you're National Geographic. You won the, uh, the award. You're living my childhood dream, man. You're living my childhood dream. So, uh, congrats on everything. And thanks for taking the time. Thanks, and we'll, uh, we'll see you around the world somewhere, man. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for having me on the show. It's been, been a blast. Absolutely. Great talking to you. Absolutely. All right. Let's stop this recording. Cheers. So what did I tell you? Wasn't that awesome? I hope Pete's story really inspired you to take whatever passion or project you want and get it started or take it to the next level. Uh, like I said in the beginning, I would really appreciate if you go over to the iTunes um, on my page and rank this and give it a five-star review and leave a comment. That would really help out a lot. Also go over to the YouTube channel. Uh, just search Quentin Carlin Self-Developed Life. Subscribe there. That would really help a lot. And if you do both those things, send a screenshot to quintincarlin at gmail.com and you'll claim your free coaching session with me. It's a win-win and I really appreciate it. Look forward to getting connected with your, you and my other fans and seeing how I can serve and help you better. So go ahead and do that now and would love to see you on the next episode. So thanks again. Have a great day. Bye-bye.